Lynch. And this event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding, providing you with more than 45,000 leads every month. And for those of you who are quite new to Real Estate IQ, here's just a very quick testimonial from one of our clients with Real Estate IQ. So let me play this video for you. Now, when did you start using Real Estate IQ? Uh, I'm going to say probably less than about a month ago. And we actually had a lot of success. It's a great list. We recommend it for everybody. We got actually a deal in the first month using it. And with all these new features that are coming on it and we're, we're signed up for it, we just can't wait to make a lot more deals. So we're excited. Great list, guys. Trust me. I recommend it. Worth every penny. Yeah. Yes. We heard about it. Had to jump on it real quick. And it's amazing. It's been amazing for us and our family. And it's produced revenue for us and a better way for us to live. So we appreciate it. Great work and it's a great product for everybody we definitely recommend it yes. that's beautiful we're very happy for you guys there there you have it so that's um just one of you just one of the um oh let me just um, try to quickly share this uh can you see that now jason yep you're there. Yep. all right so yeah there you have it so we do apologize for that but we don't want to you know spend more time just um, just to go back to the video, but if you are a current subscriber with Real Estate IQ, so if you're registered or you're new to Real Estate IQ, uh, make sure to join our one uh, our deal finding training that is every week. So we have um, trainings with Becky Krominga and Rodney Rush. So on Friday, we will be having a uh, an REIQ training, which is the deal finding training with Becky Krominga. So make sure to go to realestateiq.co slash events so that you can register for this deal finding training. And also, if in case that you are totally new, you don't have any ideas yet with um, Real Estate IQ or, um, you know, this is your first time or not a subscriber yet with Real Estate IQ, make sure to answer this poll that, um, that will be popping up on your screen right now. So let me just uh, load that there. So just answer yes to this poll so that we can schedule you for this one-on-one -on -one deal finding training in case that you haven't used or you have no ideas yet about Real Estate IQ's services. So let me give the floor now to Jason. Jason, just like what I said, everyone, Jason was with Hot Trends every week. So if you are watching our Hot Trends every week, I am very, very sure that you already know about Jason. And it is my pleasure to introduce to you Jason Madden of MadLogic. So, Jason? All right, yep. Uh, thanks again to Real Estate IQ for letting me be on. Um, let me get my screen shared. Uh, is it showing the presentation? Um, it's showing a, a long white line in the middle. Oh, there. Is it there? Yep, yep. Okay. All right. Very good. So yeah, I've been uh, developing software for about 10 years and the last four years has been as a consultant. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've been trying to pivot more into the analytics and more kind of mathy side, but also be able to pull in my experience with building sustainable software for enterprises and things like that. So it's kind of a good mesh of skills just to make, uh, the integration of data and all that together. Um, so I'm still relatively new to real estate, um, but as far as the numbers and technology goes, there's a lot of opportunity and it's kind of encouraged me to kind of narrow my view into looking at it. So um, that's kind of why I've started a relationship with Real Estate IQ. But um, one thing with numbers is that it's very easy to manipulate it and show what you want it to show and not maybe show 
exactly what it should. So that's kind of why I pulled this quote. Facts are stubborn, but statistics are more pliable. So it's, you kind of have to be careful and make sure you're true to what the data says and uh, to go on. So again, I'm not a financial advisor or legal. So everything I'm showing here is kind of my own interpretation and it's not really financial advice. So just kind of warning and I interpret it kind of how I see it. Uh, but most of it is just pulling the numbers together and then uh, just making a presentation out of it. So. Uh, Again, I'm specific to all the metro areas in Texas, uh, includes DFW, uh, which is Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin, and San Antonio. Um, and I thought the first kind of phase since we've been in such kind of weird economic conditions was to go through and talk about the unemployment and employment statistics for uh, as current as I can get using the government site. So the things that I think this is valuable for is if you're a renter, you kind of want to have stable jobs, or if you're evaluating markets that you want to move into as an investor, then knowing what markets, uh, what jobs are strong, and kind of what sensitivities there are during the season. So, um, looking at the breakdown of employees and uh, kind of, and especially during COVID, you can see what in, uh, sectors kind of got hit the most. So these get updated monthly, but uh, the web services don't always line up. So some day, some months it's a little late. So I pulled the latest I could for this. Uh, and also some of the, the categories are genetic. So if we end up passing out the slides, I did provide a link to uh, looking at different types of jobs uh, as a part of the industries, but I'll try to label a few on the most uh, dominant ones. So uh, this is Texas as a whole. Uh, this is kind of the major breakdown of each of the industries. Uh, you can see that trade and transportation utilities it has the most employees. So it's kind of your uh, oil, uh, power, and kind of airlines and things like that. Uh, so relatively speaking, nothing dipped quite as severely as hospitality and leisure. So what jobs are for that are like uh, sports, uh, music, kind of like all the live events shut down, uh, things like that. It, and it just really took the big hit of the unemployment. While everything else did take hits, it just, it wasn't quite the same level. And because it's right in the middle, there was a lot of people that were affected. So. The next few slides are going to go dive in more into the specific metropolitan areas. So the first one here is Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, again, the, the industry with the most employed people, again, is trade, transportation, utilities. Um, and the one industry that took the biggest hit was kind of followed the trends of Texas and was leisure and hospitality. Um, otherwise, everything is seemingly recovered uh, and right around the holiday season, the kind of the warehouse and utilities, which is going to cover like uh, shipping and um, uh, kind of the holiday specific type industries for moving goods through the market. So there's always spikes there. Uh, so 
Next region is Houston. Again, the top employer industry is trade, transportation, and utilities. It actually took a little bit bigger hit than it did in DFW. Um, education and health services kind of had a more dramatic dip, but again, the leisure and hospitality took the biggest hit, but has recovered, but only about half, gained back about half as much as it lost. Um, so continuing on to San Antonio. Uh, so this also kind of carries similar characteristics as the other ones, uh, but the dip here is a lot worse on leisure and hospitality than reflected in the previous one. So it actually has recovered better, but has uh, had that little spike there in April. And again, trending with the rest of them, the leading employment sector is trade, transportation, and utilities. Um, and finally, Austin, uh, similar story. It actually didn't see any dip on the top sector, but actually the most dominant sector in Austin is professional business services. So like software companies, uh, technology, kind of law firms, more technology based. So that is probably why it's a little bit more resilient because everything could go bumble. Uh, and again, leisure and hospitality takes the biggest hit and still significant with education and health services. Um, and continuing on. So this is a picture of kind of the inverse of looking at employment numbers and showing the unemployment. Uh, this is the view of overall of Texas. Uh, so the brown line, which is around the top third line on the graph uh, is all of Texas. And you can see the breakdown of all the different metro areas. So the metro with the most employee or that had the highest unemployment starting before COVID was Houston. And it actually survived or was a little bit more resistant than in El Paso. El Paso was more, uh, I guess, more susceptible to the unemployment. Uh, but as you see there in June timeframe, we recovered pretty well, but it's still a lot higher than beginning of the year. And, and actually, kind of if you monitor the news, you, you were hearing about a spike in unemployment again, I guess as the COVID kind of picks back up. Uh, and th this is one that doesn't always get reported each month. It gets more around the quarter time. So it, we're, we kind of lag a little bit on being able to display this data. Uh, so the next kind of transition. So uh, fun statistic thing, you're, you're twice as likely to be killed by a vending machine than a shark. Uh, this could be by the vending machine falling on you or electrocution or things like that. It's kind of enlightening about how much stuff gets built up in the news when there's more risky things uh, just because it's kind of more dramatic. So I just thought it was kind of a funny uh, statistic. <laughs> uh, let's see. Slide. So the next topic we're going to talk about is available inventory. All of this I pulled from Zillow. It's available as spreadsheets um, on some of their data research. Uh, I go through, download it, and then in order to show it, kind of pull it in and make it into a graph. So uh, 
the important things to see here is kind of the total inventory as we kind of traverse the year. Uh, you'll see kind of in COVID, right when it hit, it starts to kind of shrink a little bit as people are less likely to want to leave their house because of the risk, but uh, are okay buying because the interest rates drop. So that contraction of the supply versus demand probably is causing a spike in prices. So uh, as we get further in the presentation, we'll see that the listings are we're kind of range between 15 and 20% down for the year while the sales are up. So uh, a lot of averages are kind of in play here and that uh, it's kind of precluding that if there's a spike when people are more comfortable about moving, that there's going to be a bunch of houses that hit and uh, maybe cause the prices to go down some. So, uh, so this graph shows the available inventory for all of Texas, um, kind of with the different metropolitan areas, so you can see how they're trending. Um, the Houston, Austin, San Antonio, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, all saw increases, some increases in inventories. We went through the year. Uh, the, the data or the, uh, so starting with 2018, we see increases over the last two years. But the next slides, when I look more into the specific metropolitan areas, we'll see that over the year, the inventory has kind of decreased overall. So the first area to look at is Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, the red and blue lines are previous years. Blue is 2018. Uh, there is an increase kind of in overall movement of houses in 2019, uh, but you still see the inventory is increasing. Uh, so it kind of helps keeps the costs more affordable for Texas. <clears throat> but the yellow line is COVID. So um, the straight lines and all of these represent kind of the, the number of inventory in the beginning of the year versus now. And it just draws a flat line showing so that you can see kind of the overall end-to-end -end change. Uh, so the yellow line here, it's pretty flat. And again, there's increase in sales in the area. Uh, I forget the percentage, but it's uh, within five to 10%. Uh, so uh, also for Houston, um, it shows similar numbers, especially for the previous years, but this year it takes a little bit more of a decline on the um, available inventory. So it's trending downward at a faster rate than it was in DFW. Uh, and you can see we're ending up here. This is probably about 33, 34,000 houses available. Uh, Austin actually at least didn't go down. The inventory started out lower at the beginning of the year that we've um, hit now, but it did. Uh, it is dropping more severely here towards these last few months. Uh, and then as we get into the kind of the slow time for real estate, we'll kind of have to monitor it and see how that changes things. But um, total inventory, again, was dipped under the last couple of years. So it's definitely had an impact on people willing to leave the area. So 
Okay, uh, continuing on to San Antonio. Uh, this market probably has had the worst hit on COVID for the year. Uh, so uh, you'll see the inventory is pretty flat and even kind of dropping as we move through the year. And it's definitely still trending down. You'll see that the available inventory is about 12,000. And when we get into the number of pending sales, I kind of have a statistic on what the average salary is. So you can mentally note that 12,000 versus how many houses sold gives you a projected amount of inventory that's left on the market. And when you hit that two month, three month range, that's when your prices really spike. Um, so transit. So the next kind of fun statistic that I thought was interesting that uh, scientists calculate that the biomass of ants is more than human. So basically this is taking the population's samples of ants, projecting how many populations exist in area and then take our population and calculates the total mass. So they still think that ants have more mass. So this is one of those ones that I think it's kind of like the pliable thing. Um, we know we can sample populations, but we have such a small data set of ant populations that we probably can't really project out with great accuracy what this is. So I, this one I would say is kind of questionable on its accuracy, but it's still an interesting statistic. <laughs> Uh, so uh, now if you've been a part of the hot trends, this section is going to be very similar to what I show for those. Uh, it's going, it, the pending sales and new listings kind of cover the, vol, not volatility, but amount of movement that happens on the market. So uh, we can see the volumes of houses that get put on the mount that gets moved off per month and then you can see kind of the hot versus cold months. And kind of what I mean by that is uh, towards the end of the year, kind of like in the winter, we'll see that the listings slow down, the sales slow down. So uh, it's just slower time uh, and probably a better time for investors to buy stuff because people are more than likely more desperate to leave. So um, all this data is provided by Real Estate IQ. I did have to fill in a few parts with Zillow because um, there's some really weird quirks. So I felt it was more important to show correct data than um, showing kind of weird stuff. So um, Real Estate IQ actually gets these feeds and updates regularly. Uh, I tried to cut it off at the month and report back on what the monthly numbers are showing. Uh, so jumping right in, Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, over the course of the year, uh, you can see that overall the listings are down. Uh, the, if I remember correctly, it's about 10 to 13% down. Um, please ignore the September one. Uh, this was as of uh, September 24th and there was a problem with some of the feeds. So up and through August, this is accurate. Uh, so it's about 15% low. Uh, so definitely a little bit slower. And, it, and when you get here, the orange line is actually the average over the course of the year. And the blue line is the average per month new listings for the previous year. So uh, 
Now, when we get into the pending, uh, you'll see that the sales were up by a pretty significant amount this year. And the way we're trending, we're like the second half of the year is actually up quite a bit more. So this is really causing the shrink in inventory that we were seeing previously in the available inventory graphs. Um, so moving on into the Houston area, uh, again, there's about uh, like 11 or 12% drop this year for new listings over last year. Uh, April took the most significant hit and past that, it stayed pretty consistent on just being lower than the previous. September, actually, I kind of expected October to have recovered a little bit more, but it, even then, it's kind of dipped more than last year. So um, Houston's market for sales and pending contracts actually increased over last year. So again, this kind of describes why we're seeing the big price hikes and the battle or, you know, the bid wars on the real estate kind of market, especially in this summer season. Um, so it'll be, I'm kind of interested to see what happens towards the rest of the year. And also starting into next year that they've announced the, the vaccine kind of all of the listing dip that we see here, if it kind of recovers and maybe exceeds what we had in 2018, then maybe hopefully the prices will drop a little bit or uh, it's good if you're not an investor, but it, it's definitely something to consider if you're doing flips and trying to maximize what your ARVs are. So, uh, so San Antonio was kind of, like I said, got hit the worst. So the, listings were really down uh so it did you know drop quite a it was still trending down in the beginning of the year but after covid it just uh really tanked the sales also was down so that's we're still seeing kind of the inventory that's available shrink so it's still kind of causing inflated prices and it is but it's definitely this was the most interesting market to watch uh and finally, with Austin, this is showing the new listing. So Austin really didn't take it really any impact from COVID. It uh, listings were up, uh, the sales were up. So it, I would say, probably more model what the year probably would have looked like if uh, for DFW in Houston at least, it, what it would have been if COVID hadn't hit. But uh, that one is just conjecture and kind of just. When, an, when we go into next year, the, the vaccine hits, it'll be uh, kind of something that I'll watch. Um, so for the Austin area for sale or pending sales, uh, you'll see kind of there are slight increases in January through March and about the April is always, it, each Metro kind of took the biggest hit because of the COVID, but all the months after that have been pretty significant increases in sales. So. Um, to, I don't know quite how to explain this one other than it's interesting and kind of worth doing more investigation, but especially because looking at the employment is more resilient, being able to go more work from home and things like that. It's kind of why I kind of, or why I think it's linked, but uh, no really numbers. It's just a kind of hypothesis. So that's something I'm interested in linking those two data things together. Uh, and kind of the final section, uh, 
of what I want to talk about related to the economic trends in Texas is medium home price. Uh, so to me, this is a good metric. Um, you ignore the extremes like uh, anytime you have very high average sales uh, that are, you know, multi-million dollar houses and some sales that are kind of like low tens of thousands, those averages can kind of cause uh, a little bit of distorted averages. So the median just lines all the house values together and it picks the one in the middle. Uh, so uh, for me, this also lets you look at affordability. So when you put this next to salary, you can kind of look at what housing markets uh, are more affordable for the people working there. And then you can compare, if you're looking at evaluating a new market to enter, then you can compare kind of what the entry level to at least get just your average house. Um, so again, this data is provided by Real Estate IQ uh, and I build, generate the graphs based on the data they have available to them. So, here I break down Dallas and Fort Worth by county. You can see the most expensive county is Collin. Uh, the least expensive is Dallas. Um, and there's always going to be pockets where this is kind of a lie, but this is just the baseline. Uh, Tarrant County kind of hovers a little bit above Dallas and then uh, Denton is a little bit higher. So the average salary last year was 65,000. So if you look, we'll just pick like 250,000. So it's about a four, if you take 250,000, divide it by 60, then you kind of get uh, a 25% or uh, let's see, one over four ratio, or you can flip that and just say it's like a four. So uh, this, Market is still relatively affordable in my opinion. Uh, now I will say there's an issue with the data here in Houston. It, we were able to get the stuff in October. So I still felt comfortable showing it, but just kind of a forewarning. Uh, so if you look over the months in the middle, it's there's the dip in May right after. So all the houses that probably went in contract in April then when they actually sold probably kind of plus or minus half the month in May, then it kind of made the median price drop. And this kind of is uh, similar in all the different regions. So uh, the average salary in Houston is actually a little bit higher and the average or the, the median home cost is lower. So at, compared to DFW, Houston is a little bit more affordable. So um, Take that for investment purposes you may, but the ratio here is more like 3.5, 3.6, somewhere in there. So uh, the next region, San Antonio, you'll see kind of because the market was a little bit more volatile than these counties that have smaller quantity of sales kind of fluctuates a lot more. So the Bexar is where San Antonio uh, most of the residents live that are registered under San Antonio. So it's a lot smoother line. And you'll see it kind of over time, it is increasing slightly, but pretty well, it stays even. Um, 
the other markets, I guess they're also kind of on trending to increasing, especially because the inventory is kind of is shrinking. Uh, and Austin was the only one that I had to kind of pull from Zillow. Uh, so if you kind of look at reflecting back on the previous slides, how the sales were up, inventory was shrinking, listings were down. There's a lot more uh, significant increase on medium home prices you go through. But now the average salary is 67,000. So it's starting to get into a range where the affordability is probably starting to drop. Uh, definitely, I mean, it's like one fifth of the, the lower the number, probably the more uh, less affordable it is. So uh, this one, you can take it as it is, but uh, definitely there's an inflated market here. And if it may not go down because uh, it's technology based, so um, so I guess now I we can open it up to questions about the data. And if we don't have that, then I kind of just have a backup topic to talk about. Uh, so I'm just with my background uh, interested in helping people automate their systems, and part of analytics is being able to pull that data together. So uh, let's see, I need. Check in the chat here for Q and A. No questions. Okay, so uh, I'll continue on. So, uh, so what is the API? Uh, so this stands for Application Programming Interfaces. So, uh, with the trend in web services and web platforms and all of this, there's kind of there's two different mentalities on this. Uh, so you kind of, you have closed systems and open systems, and by this I mean a closed system traditionally won't let you look at the data. They won't let you get copies of it. You can't integrate it or pull data into your own kind of capacity. Uh, they might provide like spreadsheets, uh, things like that. But if you went to platforms like Zapier or um, uh, like Microsoft Flow or Automate.io, you're, prob you're probably not going to be able to connect your applications together to pull it together. And, Open systems, uh, it simply means that uh, they provide an API for you to either collect data or some even let you perform operations that work against their um, kind of their functionality, but uh, you can access it outside of the system too. Examples for this would be like on your website, you have a submission form, it generates you an email and also gets entered into your CRM. So somehow that data movement happens. So um, all of this happens via APIs. And to me, this is important to real estate because as investors, you kind of start out, you run very kind of small, tight operations and you want to keep your hands off of doing things that you repeat while trying to use what we are good at. And that's kind of evaluating, uh, making decisions on uh, data and you know trying to make the most of our time when and grow our portfolios so um in addition to that uh apis also let you have immediate access to data so instead of you know waiting until the end of the quarter to pull your accounting information down and provide it to your cpa or uh 
like if you're wanting to pull something from your CRM and uh, generate spreadsheets or analytics about your Zoom meetings, things like that, you don't have to wait for uh, someone to do that for you and you get more readily available access to it. Um, so kind of my goal here is to show that APIs let you spend more time thinking, less time doing. So kind of to visualize what APIs do, it lets our internet world kind of communicate to, together. Uh, this is standardized. There are standards in the internet community that kind of set a uniform way for companies to communicate with each other. Um, and a lot of times you'll see where, or if you have concerns with security, a lot of times, so it, make sure that it always happens over a secure channel, SSL, uh, HTTPS traffic, um, and also they'll issue you a security token that kind of ties your data to you and will only let you access that. So the combination of those two things can help kind of alleviate any discomfort and uh, worrying about your data going where it shouldn't be. So a lot of times you can go on the back end, generate these keys and use them. If you worry about breaches or things like that, you can go in, regenerate it, and then reconnect all your different services together. So um, a few benefits to using them. So you can import and integrate specific information. Uh, so this would be like you have leads uh, coming. So Real Estate IQ will provide off-market leads. But um, let's say you're only looking for a small subset of that, and you are tired of having to do the same steps in their spreadsheet. So you could build a system that imports only the properties and regions that you want and the price range you want into your CRM. And that way you don't have to do that step. And it's kind of quick point and click. And then you're only looking at your CRM. So it lets you uh, prevent um, input error, data entry errors. Uh, you can automate if there's really hot deals, ways to notify you immediately, maybe wake you up uh, so that you're able to act on it before anyone that doesn't have these systems in place. Um, if you're interesting in monitoring your performance, let's say you're not exactly a real estate company, but you operate on the market. Um, being able to pull metrics uh, requires that you have your data readily available. So one of the goals here is to be able to make sure that all your data is pulled together as soon as you have it, and then you can make quick decisions immediately and not wait for someone to have to pull that together or go to your 15 different you know web platforms that you use. Uh, so, um, and then also, being able to pull different systems together, a lot of times uh, you have things on Zoom about your attendees and then you have your monthly sales. Uh, and without pulling those two pieces together, you can't really make sense of it. So um, these are all examples of kind of why APIs are important and uh, can help bring you more value to your uh, operation. So uh, um, I do provide kind of examples of applications that do have an API. Uh, I'll actually pull up some documentation just so 
you can see if you're interested in seeing what you can, even from a high level, if you don't understand what uh, you're looking at, the kind of the function calls, um, just big topic areas that you can see. So Zoom API, let's say you are hosting a webinar like Real Estate IQ. Um, you have events that you can keep track of. You can go to reports here. Uh, you can see that you can pull meeting, uh, let's see, meeting participants. You can see how many people um, registered, how many people joined. If you do series of meetings, you could have kind of your most active participants um, pull together your poll questions, figure out kind of who comes and attends your meetings and be able to associate kind of like the uh, uh, topic areas versus people that attend and things like that. So without digging in, exporting data or just programmatically pulling this stuff, it's you can eyeball things, but if you really want truly to get a study on it, you kind of have to build out systems and ways to monitor it. And especially if you want to act quickly and more uh, be able to exactly figure out how you're trending and not have to manually do the process, which pulling all this data together is very time consuming. So um, just these are the ways that we can kind of help speed it up. So uh, back to the slides. Okay, so that's all I had. Um, I'll hang around for Q&A if you have any questions. Um, I'm definitely interested in expanding kind of what I show here. Uh, really the goal for me this kind of the quarter while I had some extra time during COVID was to build a baseline of analytics that many of the companies already show, but be able to provide it a little bit quicker. Um, we're still trying to systemize some of this stuff. So we still hit hiccups here and there, but once we get the baseline, then we can start doing more interesting things and making more data linkages between like the economic data um, and real estate data. Uh, we can, kind of like I was describing with affordability, we can automate those index calculations and show them in graphs and kind of trend more areas. So as we develop this and standardize it more, it will only bring more value, but the first step is just recreating what everyone else sees. So um, <coughs> I do appreciate for everyone hanging on and watching. Um, please con connect with me uh, if you have questions or would like to see different types of data, uh, please suggest it. I have a survey monkey just to kind of get feedback on what you liked and what you didn't like. Uh, and I can kind of incorporate more of what is the demand. So um, that is all I have. All right, thank you so much, Jason. So let me just uh, share my screen. Yeah, so while waiting for my slides to load. So right now, everyone, this is the perfect timing for you to post your questions in the chat box in case that, you know, you still wanted some clarifications or any, um, like, um, any more information that you might um, need to know about Jason or about our mad logic and about his topic for today. So right now, while waiting for your questions, I'm just preparing the slides. So... 
I'm not really sure why it's still loading on my end, but yeah. So while waiting for my slides to load up, please do let us know if you have questions by putting them in the chat box, or if you want it to be, uh, let's say quite private, you can post it in the Q and A box so that, um, you know, only us, the panelists, Jason and I can see your questions. So let me just click on present again. It's uh, really running so slow on my end. I don't know what's happening with uh, with the slide. So yeah, while waiting for your questions, um, this event again is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding, providing you with more than 45,000 leads every month. So right now, uh, I'm not really sure what happened to my screen, but I lost the controls of Zoom. So yeah, while waiting, also just to give you um, a very... Uh, um, short notification about our webinar for today. So right after we end the webinar, um, you'll be routed to a very quick survey for Real Estate IQ. So we hope that you can answer this survey since this will be like um, our um, source of information. If ever you, uh, you have suggestions on how we can improve our webinars or our presentations and what topic you might be interested in the future so we can, um, you know, sort it out in our system and make sure to, um, you know, organize them properly during the week so you can have more time to register and attend our future webinar. So this survey will really, really help us. And also, um, I have posted a link to Jason's uh, survey. So we, we, we will be, um, you know, appreciative of um, your feedback or your, your answer to the survey. So please do post, um, answer the survey from our chat box. So there, also you, I have posted the links to our community and our contact number. So if you have questions about Real Estate IQ services and what, what we can offer you and how we can help your business grow, make sure to reach out to our customer service team by giving them a call or sending them an email. And we guarantee a two hour response from our team. And we also have freebies. So um, just like what I told you a while ago, just by answering our polls, you can be eligible to join our raffle. And by answering this poll on your screen right now, this is just for us to know if what type of freebies you're interested at. So we hope that you can answer that survey. And if in case that you missed the free 45-minute one-on-one deal finding training poll, make sure to let me know in the chat box by typing demo, please, so that I can list your names and make sure to have you registered for this one-on-one deal finding training. And we also invite you to join our community. So this works like, a, like Facebook, so you can post your questions in the chat box. And we are still in the making of um, Jason's group. So in case that you wanted to be updated with um, the current trends in, um, in the data with Real Estate IQ um, and with uh, MadLogic and with Jason, just go to community.realestateiq.co and make sure to join our groups and wait for like, uh, it will just take a few days, like one or two days for us to put up the group of Jason. So make sure to go to that link on your screen right now and it's also posted in our chat box so you can just copy and paste that and join our community and we also invite you to join our future events with real estate iq just go to slash events so that you can register for our upcoming webinars and again we are doing this uh webinar with jason weekly and 
uh, with Hot Trends. So make sure to join our Hot Trends every week so that you can get in touch with Jason every week with, um, you know, the Hot Trends in real estate. So that's every Thursdays at 5 p.m. So make sure to go to realestateiq.co slash events so that you can register if in any case that you haven't registered yet with um, hot trends and every month we are doing um, a webinar with Jason so just go to realsetiq.co slash event so you can register for Jason's upcoming webinars with us so right now again just like what I told you this is the perfect time for you to uh, post your questions in the chat box or the Q&A box in case that you're, you're still confused of um, you know Jason's topic for today or any clarifications about statistics or uh, automation that you might be confused at. So let us know in the chat box or the Q&A box. So as of now, everyone, um, Jason's contact details are in the chat box as well. So in case that you might, um, you know, remember to ask a question by tomorrow or the following days, you can just reach out to Jason through through email or through phone. Uh, make sure to follow him also in, um, I think that's a LinkedIn um, address, Jason, right? Uh, it's at, so it kind of has all the links. It has the website, uh, social media, and uh, LinkedIn all kind of in one link. Yeah, so just go to that link so that you can be, uh, you know, you can connect with Jason. So in any case, that in the future, you might need um, Jason's help with your business. You can reach out to him anytime. And again, we invite you for the hot trend since um, Jason is our resident speaker for, uh, you know, weekly statistics. So we invite you to join hot trends as well. So just go to realestateiq.co slash events if in any case you haven't registered for that. So as of now, I cannot see any questions in the chat box or Q&A box. So I think, Jason, that you covered everything clearly for today. So since we do not have any other questions, so Jason, any like um, last words of advice or any tips for our attendees, especially those who will be watching this as a recording in the future probably. So any uh, words of advice um, for our attendees for today before we end the webinar? Okay, yeah. So, um, so any platform I think that you choose. So right now I'm kind of evaluating CRM platform. So I, I did look at RealFlow. I looked at uh, like Zoho and a few others. Uh, and one of the big things that is important to me is having an API that I can automate. So there's many like do-it-yourself type tools like Zapier or uh, Automate.io or Microsoft Flow that will let you connect two services together. And it could be like someone does an input form, you want to generate a spreadsheet, uh, and it just kind of works together. And I think this kind of goes a long way to making uh, sys good systemization without costing a whole lot of money. So it goes into the planning phase uh, and yeah. Yeah, so I totally agree, Jason, because um, you know I have seen a lot of CRMs, you know, a lot of automation systems in the market right now. Uh, even you're just watching YouTube. Um, I don't know if you have noticed everyone that even if you're just watching uh, a video from YouTube, some of the ads are somewhat related to, um, you know, the CRM, something like that. If I'm not mistaken, Jason, uh, Jason if you're aware with Monday.com, they are also in the ads. So something like that. So um, correct me if I'm, wrong, if I'm wrong, Jason, that, you know, it will really be up to you if what type of CR CRM will be, you know, uh, helpful for you and your business. Right. All right. So again, everyone, thank you so much for attending our webinar for today and make sure to visit our website for you to be updated with Jason's 
future webinars with us. And Jason, we thank you so much for your time and for all the information you have shared with us for today. We hope to learn more from you in the future for, um, I think next month, we'll have another webinar with you. So Jason, again, thank you so much. And to everyone, thank you so much. Have a great day. Stay safe. Yeah, Bye thank for you, everyone. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.